Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome tonight's guest moderator, Eric Cohn from IndieWire, and tonight's guest, Mary Heron. Hey, everybody. Hey, Mary. Hi. So it's been seven years since your last feature, The Notorious Betty Page. Has it been that long? Yes, I guess, I guess, I guess the time, yeah, in a way, from, from completion, yeah, I think it has. So Let where have you see. been? Uh, where have I been? Uh, you know, I did, uh, I worked on a, a couple, pro as everybody does when this happens, you work on a couple projects that fall through. Um, I had a, a punk project, a New York punk project that uh, I was on for a long time and then we lost the rights. Um, I did television and I have two children. And so I also, you know, my daughters are now uh, turning 12 and 15. So uh, I also had, you know, time with them. So th uh, this is an adaptation of a novel by Rachel mm -hmm. Klein. Uh, was, it, was it something that you had seen at an earlier point in time, or did it come to you at a certain point in development? And, and it it, it, yeah, it actually came to me right after I finished Betty Page. Um, and then there was rights issues, and uh, that took about a year. And then, um, but actually, when, I, when it, the, the book was given to me, I had never heard of Twilight. And, and um, I actually, you know, just read it as more of a, a sort of gothic, a sort of gothic story that was about young girls' friendships. That was what really interested in me at the time because, because I had two daughters and I was watching them. My older daughter, I think, was 10 or turning 11. And uh, I was just watching her on the cusp of adolescence. And here is this book that was really about all the craziness of female adolescence, which it just kind of amps up, you know, into something, um, uh, into a supernatural setting. But it's basically about being a teenage girl. Uh, and I was, I was just really taken with that. And I knew that I was going to go into the world of, of the teenage girl in a big way, which I have been for the last last few years of my daughters and our house is full of teenage girls all the time. Uh, and so all that, all that it, it just meant more to me, I think, because of, the, of that. And so then you saw Twilight and you said, uh-oh. Well, I, you know, I didn't, my daughter, you know, after I'd written the first script, I think, because it took a long time in development, it took a long time to get made, and I think, for a couple reasons. One, because it, it's sort of an odd, it's an odd film, it's an odd, it's an it's sort of, it's kind of too, it's a, it's a story about adolescence and it's, so, it's sort of a horror movie, but not really. So it's hard to get it made. Um, and also it's a, almost all female cast and that is always very difficult to get financing for. So anyway, after I'd written the first script and you know, we were uh, in development, um, my daughter started reading Twilight. And then I guess a year later, and she read it obsessively all at once. And then a year later, she went to see the first Twilight film. And, she, and she, came, I, she came back and I said, what was it like? And she said, it's the greatest film ever made. <laughs> and um, eventually I started seeing, you know, and, and then after I'd really written the script and the project was going up for financing, after that point, I thought, okay, I can go see those films now. And I went and see them, saw them and they're, you know, actually I kind of enjoyed them, but you know, they're very much, they're romances. They're, they're about boys and girls, you know, romantic yearnings. 
fantasy figures of boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I wanted to do, because I think that when you're, when you're, a 15, you're a 16 or whatever, your primary relationship is usually not with a boy, it's with your best friend. And that's where all the drama is. So that, in a way, is what my film was about. That was the difference. And uh, you're saying you went to it at, at a late enough stage where we couldn't find some attempt to, to avoid being like Twilight or something, you know? Not really, because the book was written years bef- before the Twilight books. And I tried to stay fair, pretty faithful to the, to the novel of the Moth Diaries. And it was completely un, untouched by, by anything to do with Twilight. Uh, and I still actually haven't read the books of Twilight. Um, but I think that what influenced uh, Rachel Klein, who wrote The Moth Diaries, was ve- it's very much English Gothic, uh, which I've always liked. And, and just, you know, a sort of uh, poetic study of the book, really, is poetic study of being, a, you know, an adolescent. Well, it's something that resonates in your work, I'd say, at least going back to American Psycho, maybe even I shot Andy Warhol to some degree, uh, but uh, it's, it's interesting because when you talk about a film involving vampires and yet not exclusively being about you know, the supernatural phenomenon, mm-hmm. that in itself is not exactly new. I mean, the vampire has always been some kind of metaphor, whether it's for disease or, yeah. like you said, adolescence. How, how much discussion did you go through with, your, with the people you were working with and sort of with your own internal monologue about you know, boiling down this metaphor to, to making it exactly what you wanted it to be about? I mean, it's funny because, you know, I was working with a text, you know, and so I always feel like I, I'm trying to interpret and, and be respectful of the original uh, book. Um, and, that, and, that, and that had a very, so I was trying to find out what is, what is this book saying that's original. And I think what it, what it caught, which I thought was very interesting, was I think that the original vampire story was very much about fear of sexuality. Um, and both attractive and scary, you know. And in this case, I think young girls are really intrigued by sex and frightened of it, you know. I think that's really something that's underestimated in our culture, our highly sexualized culture. How scary sex is for young girls, you know. It's, it's really intimidating, it's full of fears and anxieties. And I think that she used, uh, she used that, Rachel Klein. And the other thing I think that, that probably the other strand of vampireness that she used was the idea of, of possession, of pa- uh, the parasite, somebody feeding off someone else, taking somebody else over, which is also something that you see in, in these adolescent friendships, that one more dominant girl will take over another. And, 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 you know, she just becomes the sort of acolyte, or, you know, which is sort of what happens with Ernesta and Lucy. You see one girl take over another. Uh, so all that was interesting to me. And you talk about wanting to be faithful to the text. Mm-hmm. Now, film being a visual medium, there are certain mm-hmm. things that can be verbatim and certain things that you have to sort of put your own spin on just because that's what the medium demands for. Um, and this is a very visual film. The use of light and shadows is, like mm-hmm. you said, very gothic. And um, there are some visual effects there, which is something I believe that's sort of new yeah. for you as a filmmaker. So can you talk about sort of conceptualizing what you wanted this film to look like as a whole? Yeah, I didn't want, I wanted, I didn't want it to look noir. I wanted it to look more romantic. So uh, Declan Quinn, who's a cinematographer, 
Um, used, used a lot, although there's, there's, there's a lot of shadow, there's, there's a kind of softer light, and there's this kind of greenish, greenish cast to the, to the colors. Um, and I, yeah, I wanted it to be, because it's not really scary, it's more eerie, I think. It's not like, ah, you know, kind of movie. You're not going to have sudden, lots of chills and scares. It's more, it's more uh, weird and, and, and eerie. And I wanted, I wanted that, and I want, also the architecture is very important. The, um, the school, it's all set in a boarding school, is a kind of the parallel, the equivalent of the, the castle or the haunted house, you know, where people are, 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 are stuck. So I, I, did want, I did want to have the sense of this isolated world. That was important to me. And you did want to have some kind of uh, moth presence in the moth film. Moth presence. So and, let's and talk about the monster. Yes, so and um, which are all CGI. Um, and and it, I have to say, I had never done, uh, I had never done really visual effects before, there's, there's, except the tiniest amount in television. Um, so it was a whole new world, and it's very, very nerve-wracking to do visual effects on on a low budget. I have to say. So we, and I, you know, I think I think we got there, but it was um, uh, it was an interesting experience about trying to squeeze every every penny. But you had you had you know you had to you had to go there. You had to have the moss. It's interesting because this is it's certainly the I would say the second not quite horror film that you've made, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, that certainly with American Psycho, I think there are people who would say that that's a horror film, that the horror film aspects are what spoke to them or drew them to the work. Yeah. So do you think there is something about this that at its root it is, a, is something that's a horror film and yet maybe not, not like the other kind of horror films you're seeing today? Or I mean... I, th I think that it's a much more old-fashioned horror film. You know, in a way, I think when we say horror now, we, it's certainly in America, we're talking about a, sort of a post-scream and now post-saw. You know, we're talking about a very different tradition. It's very graphic, American horror. It's very scare-oriented. And I think that what Moth Diaries, you know, belongs to is, is just another tradition, an older tradition where it's it's more about atmosphere and unease and ambiguity. Um, uh, there's a lot of references to uh, this book Carmilla in, in the film and in the trailer, the teacher is talking about this book Carmilla, which is the, um, the original lesbian vampire story written in the uh, 1800s. And, and, and that writer uh, did a lot of stories where you're just not sure what's happening. Is it a horror story or not? Is it is it madness? Is it ghosts? You know. So I, th I think it's yeah. I think it's more ambiguous. It's more low key. It's just another another tradition. Sure. It, you know, in the '30s and '40s, there was this producer mm -hmm. Val Luton who used to work for Universal on these low budget horror movies, and they would just give him a title, and he would do something more complicated with it. Like I Walked with a Zombie is actually, uh, you know, based on Jane Eyre, things like that. Um, and it's, it sounds to me like you may have been going for something along those lines, like let's say it's a horror film so that we can get the m money that we need to get this thing done and then make something completely different. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's something that I always love about horror movies is that I think in some ways they're less censored, you know, because if you, if, if you satisfy certain baselines of horror, certain conventions, 
um, then you can really talk about whatever you want, you know. Um, and you could do, you know, uh, Dawn of the Dead, you know, there's all kinds of things you can talk about politically or sexually. And, and in a way, it's more fun. You do, and you don't have to give a happy ending. You don't have to give a lot of the conventions that are expected in other more mainstream kind of films. They have to be morally uplifting or, you know, happy endings. You can just really do what you want, as long as you put in a few scary things. Right. So with, in this specific situation, was it the sort of thing where, mm -hmm. you know, your agenda was, I want to make this female-driven film about a very specific kind of adolescent experience, but I'm going to pitch it differently. Well, not really, because I actually liked, I, I really liked the gothic elements. You know, I actually liked both sides, because I could have just gone and done a girl relationship drama. But I like the fact that the, the gothic elements, which in some ways are gothic cliches, the haunted house, the, the, teacher, the teacher who gives a lecture, there's always a teacher who gives, there's always a professor who gives a lecture in all the, the, you know, the gothic stories. You know, so it has all those traditional elements. Um, but I, I liked it because it creates this very heightened world. And it creates this very isolated, heightened, you know, intense atmosphere, which is sort of like a met the metamorph for adolescence. When you're an adolescent, you're in your own, like, castle, you know? This very in and everything's crazy and, and intense. And I, I thought that horror was actually a really good vehicle for expressing the paranoia, the intensity, the, the self-absorption of adolescence. Do you know what I mean? Sure, I mean, yeah. the, the, it's part of the, the appeal of the film is the ambiguity that you maintain about mm. whether or not this is actually about vampires. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, you know, a lot of times directors talk about how much information they give to their mm. actors. Did, did these characters, I mean, did these actors have a specific sense of what was really supposed to be going on, or did you sort of leave the door open for them to bring that to the rules? Well, it was quite a funny, because um, we had a, I had a talk with the, the wonder, these wonderful girls, these wonderful young actresses, and it, uh, at one point, we found out that Sarah Bolger, who plays Rebecca, was absolutely believed that Lily Cole as Ernesta, was a, the Ernesta character was a vampire. And Lily Cole, played Ernesto, was completely convinced that Rebecca was crazy and she was a wonderful person. And uh, Sarah Gadd, who plays Lucy, was convinced that, that uh, Sarah Bolger's character was crazy. So it was like team vampire, team not vampire. And, and the jury's still out on that one? The, jury, the jury's out. I mean, the book is very ambiguous. I made it a little less ambiguous because I kind of like, I'm, I, I was of two minds too. I mean, it's a text, so I don't have the full answer to it. It's the same with American Psycho. I don't feel I have this, the key to that. People always ask me, you know, did he do the murders? Well, I don't know. I didn't write it, you know? Um, and I also, I don't like to say because it takes it away. I think it's... Um, I think that, in a way, in, in The Moth Diaries, it doesn't really matter because whether Ernessa is a vampire or not, if she is a vampire, it, uh, she's, she's working on Rebecca's mind to try and drive her crazy. And so it's, it's, it's the, 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 what's really happening in the story is someone suffering from these terrible thoughts and, halluc and these hallucinations, basically. Or, or are there, or maybe not. But, you know, it's kind of the same, the meaning is the same. Well, and the, the other part of that equation is uh, the issue of class. I mm -hmm. think um, 
you know, if if the vampire story has any specific roots in class, uh, they're they're definitely they have to do with affluence and they have mm. to do with a sense of entitlement on some level, and that's certainly something that you get anytime you deal with you know a story involving a private school and yeah. um, you know it's also a connection to other films you've made you know mm. Wall Street culture and American Psycho or the mm. '60s counterculture and I shot Andy Warhol and so forth. Mm. I well, I think in in um, I guess of the four films I've made, the um, the characters are always. I mean, obviously Patrick Bateman is a member of the of the one percent, but uh, they're always outsiders in a way, and they're always uh, divorced from the from the mainstream in that way. And um, Valerie Solanas in my first film, and Betty Page. We're definitely members of, 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 a, of a, a kind of underclass. And with Rebecca, she's at this very privileged school, but not quite, you know, slightly uneasy relationship with it. Yeah, so I think there's that. And do you think there's something contemporary about, about the, the climate of the movie, or, or is, it some, is it supposed to be timeless? Because it's hard, it's hard to date it. You know, you it's funny, because the book was set in the 60s. Um, and the school itself, because it was based in the 60s, is anachronistic in a way, because there are very few all-girl boarding schools now. Um, and we had this big argument. I had a big argument with the, with the costume designer when we were making the film, because he said, I wanted white nightgowns. I wanted all the girls running around in white nightgowns. Because visually, that was just how it had to be. <laughs> and she said, nobody would wear white nightgowns you know, at, at school now. They'd be wearing little, you know, whatever, pajamas. And it's just like, we had a, and finally I just sort of said, I want white nightgowns. Just come and give me my white nightgowns. Because it, I realized it doesn't really matter. No, it's not realistic. It's, it's, it's an anachronistic world that these girls are trapped in, in a way. Um, and I like that idea. That it's almost keeping them, it's keeping them from growing up. There's something wrong about it. It's keeping them in a sort of fake, uh, you know, not pre adult but a, but a fake world. They're almost. sheltered. Sheltered, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. You spoke before about the challenges of financing an all-girls movie, yeah. which, I mean, I, on some level, this is essentially your first one. So were yeah. you surprised that that was an issue still, that, that you would have to go through some hurdles just to, to get it made? Yeah, I, th I was actually. I mean, I'm always very naive when I start. I always think that everybody's going to want to make what I like, you know. I say, oh, this is great, you know. And, and uh, luckily, Ed Pressman, who produced American Psycho, was very, very um, supportive of a long, uh, a long haul uh, in trying to, to piece together financing. I mean, it also coincided with a very bad period for independent film. I mean, a lot of the other directors I know who are all part of the same generation of independent film had a very hard time, you know, uh, trying to get their films made. But I think, I think you know, th there's a sort of, there's a template. There's, there's you know, there's, a, there's product lines in, in, in the movie business. And the product line usually has a big boy-girl romance. In fact, it sh really should have a girl and two boys. That's what it is. You know, that's what, that's what the current sort of... Uh, romantic drama is so saying well no actually the drama here is you know and I think I could have been more successful with it if it was a romantic con you know more 
a comedy and it's all girls. But it's just very, it's a genre that horror, horror stroke drama that just doesn't have, a psychological drama that doesn't have a lot of all girl, you know, uh, features in it. When we started out talking about mm. Twilight, which is the inevitable comparison, mm. the other movie that comes into conversations a lot with this stuff is, is uh, well, it's not a movie, it's TV, actually, True Blood, mm. um, which is a very different way of looking at the vampire mythology, yeah. but it's, it's sort of the other extreme, whereas Twilight has all kinds of innuendo, True mm. Blood is all about, you know, how grotesque can you get? Yeah. Did you watch that show at all? I did, did I did. I mean, one? I like it too. I mean, they're, they're just all so different because that's right out there about sex, you know. Um, and, and, I, you know, and I think it's very, it's also very, you know, uh, humorous and flamboyant and it's, it's really kind of reveling. It's very New Orleans, you know, Louisiana. It's really reveling in, in that. Um, and I like that, but I think... I wanted to make a film about, in a way, about repression, but not the Twilight way where it's like romance and chastity. It's just about, it's more, like I said, it's just more about the, the you know, A, the fear of sexuality and girls being cooped up away from boys, pouring all their emotion into each other. Right, and, and you also didn't want to make something, it sounds like, too explicit. I mean, it's, it isn't actually an explicit film at all. No, no. The, and I think partly because it, you know, one of the things that I, I really notice about, that I remember from my own teenage years and that I notice in my daughters, my older daughter and her friends, which I really fascinated me and I wanted to present it on screen, was that girls, young girls are very romantic with each other. And I watch my daughter with her friends and they always, you know, they, they're hanging around in their underwear and they've got their arms around each other and they send notes like, you know, or on Facebook, I love you forever, I love you so much, you know, best, best, best friends. And, and, and they're very over the top emotionally, you, you know, no boys, would, they would die rather than do any of this stuff. And that's very girly and in a way it's very uh, beautiful. It's very innocent the way they, they are so able to be so over the top with each other. And I wanted to show that there's this intense, it's like pre-sexual, it's this intense romanticness and physical affection uh, that, uh, that, that is, is really romantic and not, and not physical. Um, except, of course, in the case of Ernessa and Lucy, that's another story. Sometimes more physical than... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did your daughter think of the film? Oh, it's funny, because I asked her about the... Um, uh, I said, oh, you know, I'm, there was a point where I was being told that uh, if I could just have more, go, get more lesbian sex in there, teen lesbian sex, it would be <laughs> easier to make pre-sales. And I said to Ruby this, and she said, oh, Mom, thank God you didn't. I was so relieved you didn't do that. And, and not because she was be embarrassed by that, but I think she just felt it was not right. You know, an accurate wouldn't have been an accurate presentation. Sure. Yeah. Now, uh, you, you have a, I think, a solo writing credit on this film. Yeah. Is that is that a process that usually works best for you? I mean. It, no, I, I I think I think I'll probably go. It, I wanted to try it, but actually, I, I I think the script took me a lot longer, and I think I'm going to go back and having a writing partner. I'm actually writing a couple things with my husband right now. My husband actually did an uncredited. <laughs> I I did give it to my my husband to, to get an uncredited rewrite. 
So there's a, a man's voice hidden in there, there somewhere. There is a man's voice hidden in there uh, at the, on the last pass. Yeah, but I, I actually like, I actually like, I, I think with this one, it was such a strange, it was such a difficult project. I just felt I had to do it on my own, right, right, right or wrong, because I, the book is so mysterious, I just didn't know how to do it. And I felt like, oh, I have to try and puzzle this out myself, but it's not a way I normally like to, I don't even really think of myself primarily as a writer at all. Uh, I, I, I like to collaborate in that sense. Well, while this is your fourth feature, mm. you've done a lot of TV work, mm. which is by its nature a collaborative process, especially if you're not the creator of that show. Yeah. So how, how does that framework compare to your, your filmmaking process, especially now that people say TV is going through this golden age? Yeah, which I really, I really think it is. Um, I mean, when, when you come in as a guest director on a TV show, I mean, it's... You're not the primary creative person. I mean, there, you really, and you have to kind of accept that. You know, it's very funny because um, I went from doing Betty Page. Uh, I think I went straight into doing an episode of Six Feet Under, and and you really have to sort of, you know, you go from on a set where people have to be nice to you because you've hired everybody, and you know, people bring you coffee and little snacks, and and you know, you go to something where you know you just have to get your own damn coffee. You know, you're you're just the director for hire, and you have to uh, fit in with. You know, everybody's done a lot of work on this show before you got there. You know, it's a world, they've created visual style, the actors definitely know their characters and they'll tell you that they know their characters, you know, and it's, that's fair enough, you know. Well, but, but I enjoy it, though. And generally you have a guarantee that someone's going to see the end result, which is... That is wonderful, to have, yes, to have a job that start and finish, you know, in a few weeks. And the other thing I like is I, when I do it, I, I pretend that I'm a Hollywood direc director in, uh, in the old studio system. You know, where you would get a script and you'd, oh, it's a Western this week. How do I do a Western, you know? And, um, and, I, and it's kind of nice because you have to, you have to kind of you learn it as you're doing it, really. You understand the story, and it, it kind of opens up to you in the process of making it, which is quite, quite interesting. You know, it's somebody else's words, and you, 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 you have to, in a way, find out the dynamic of the scenes, you know, which in a way that you don't if you've written it. You know, it's, it's interesting, though, because, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, if you're making a movie largely based on your own vision, often you don't know if someone's going to see it, whether it's, you know, are people going to go to the theater, am I going to get a distributor, period. Yeah. Each one of your films has come out at, I think, a very different point in time for film mm. distribution. Uh, you know, obviously, seven years ago, mm. people were having a different kind of experience. Now, you know, this film is being released by IFC. It's been on demand for a month, which is mm. something we were talking about before we came out here, is, is, is something entirely new to you. So how open are you to these sort of, the, the, the changes in, in the way that people are watching things? You know, I feel good about it. Um, because, well, I think, I think that VOD is going to save independent film, without question because it's in a whole wonderful way of financing. It's, it's, it gets, you know, now because they, they, they killed all the independent theater chains, it's, you know, how many theaters can you get into with a small movie? You know, even in Manhattan, you know, and, and much less around the country. So VOD is a way that, you know, there's lots of people in, in small towns who want to see a different kind of movie that will never come to, the, to a theater near them. You know, so I, I feel like it's actually the, 
the cu- I like, I'm an optimist, so I like to think it's the cusp of, of a wonderful, of a new age. Uh, and the only thing that you, you're not getting off that, of course, it would be nice if your film was seen on a big screen, you know. But Maybe it's just a big flat screen TV. Uh, well, that's true. <laughs> and actually, my daughter said, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't think this is just a movie for teenage girls, and I think in a way it's more a movie about looking back at being a teenager, in fact. In some ways, might appeal more to people who aren't teenagers. But my daughter said, you know, Mom, I think this is a film you want to sit in your room and watch on your own. You know, that was, that was the teenage girl's take on it. But there are a lot of movies like that. You know? So, and the films that you've done at an earlier mm-hmm. point in time now are probably available on, on DVD or, or various other platforms. Um, I'm thinking specifically about the ones from the from earlier, whether it's Psycho yeah. or, or the, yeah. the the ones before that. I mean, have you noticed uh, have new fans sort of clung on to these things over over the years, discovering them in different ways? Yeah, I mean, I mean, particularly American Psycho, because that really wasn't that successful when it was first released, and I remember. In fact, after I finished Betty Page, while I was shooting Six Feet Under, I went to have lunch with a Hollywood producer who had asked to have lunch with me. And he said, you know, I, I just watched American Psycho, and you know, that's a really good movie. I, you know, I, I, why don't more people talk about that movie? And this was in 2005, you know, five years after it was released. And I thought, yeah, it's, I wish more people talked about it. And I would never say that now. Low, you know, it's very well known now. And that really happened in the last five years for whatever reason. I mean. It's very mysterious, this process of something becoming far more influential 10 years after than it was when I made it. We'll go to questions in just a second, but is there anything else that you've got in the pipeline now that uh, you finally got another movie out there? Well, you know, I I wasn't attached. Again, again, this is, you know, I am attached to something that is a big, uh, a a much bigger budget movie uh, called Wicked Lovely, but... uh, with a script by Carolyn Thompson, who uh, did a lot of Tim Burton movies, Edward Scissorhands and uh, uh, Corpse Bride, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, and I uh, hope, you know, we're just trying to get that financing together. Apart from that, I have a couple things that I can't talk about because I don't, ha- you know, the rights are not secured. Fingers crossed and all that. Yeah. All right, so questions from the crowd. Raise your hand and I'll bring you the mic. Second row in the back to your left. How's it going? Um, So you mentioned you had two daughters. Um, How often do you go to them, I guess, with your work um, and just your ideas, I guess? Well, they haven't seen my first three movies because they're too unsuitable. Ruby, has, my older daughter, has seen the business card scene of American Psycho because it's on YouTube. In fact, it's on YouTube in many, many, many forms. Many people have recreated that scene. So she's seen that. But it's just, you know, in a way, they really are not, you know, the films I make are really not suitable. And Moth Diaries actually has an R. Uh, but I let her see it. I, I, I had a little test screening for her and a bunch of friends. But because, you know, kids today, you know, they've seen much worse things. But it actually has an R. So... It, in a way, most of, and my, for my 11-year-old, she has no idea what I do, really. In fact, it's very funny. She came to um, uh, a sound edit because I needed some girl voices. We were dubbing, and she, she came, and they came to help do a little bit of loop group. And she said afterwards, Mom, I always thought that what you did was really boring, but now I know it's interesting. 
But oh well, you think sound editing's interesting? You should see the rest of it. But, yeah. but they've, they, you know, they've been to set and everything. They've been ex, they've been extras, and they complain because I don't give them lines. All that. Yeah. Mm. Second row center. Hi, Mary. Uh, I, American Psycho is one of, my, one of my like most favorite, such a wonderful film. So thanks for bringing that <laughs> to us. Uh, so. One thing, uh, while looking at this movie, I don't know if you've heard or seen Jennifer's Body, which is uh, very, s not similar, but same, two girls, mm. one of them is a vampire. Uh, it was quite commercial, moderately successful. Mm. But, uh, and looking at this, the question I had is like, when you're writing a movie, and you've written and directed both, how imaginative do you go, considering you know that uh, it might be independent film where you, might have to go through a process of acquiring finance as compared to a commercial film. How innovative or crazy or imaginative you go with while you're writing it, and you know, because you could be very imaginative with uh, special effects. When, when you're writing, you could put anything on paper, but you're going to direct it and actually make it, which might be a very different product. So what's your thought process when you're writing it and when you come on directing it? Uh, how do you link that? I mean, in a way, I always think that what I like, you know, like I said before, what I always think that what I like, you know, everyone else will like it too, and I'm always like really confused that people don't want to finance my stuff. Um, and I think I think with Moth Diaries, I could have made it in a way a criticism when we were taking it round for for all this long process of trying to get financing. Uh, it was criticized a lot for being too low key. And, and, and it taking, you know, that people wanted more violence or more horror earlier. And I don't know, it just didn't seem right to me. And I just, you know, I just, in a way I should have. I, now I think, oh, should I have put more in? But it didn't seem, you know, I was trying to do something else. I was trying to do this emotional drama. And it, the, the, the really horror scenes didn't seem to, f I, I didn't feel it could handle that much of it. You know, trying to balance out the, the movie. So, no, I, I, I don't really, I, I just thought, you know, when I read the book, oh, this is really gripping, this is a great story, it, it's sort of supernatural. I, everyone will love this. <laughs> It'll be easy to get financed. Because uh, I thought it hit certain genre uh, fulfillments. But when I actually um, came to try and get it made, uh, and actually, it was originally with Paramount. It was originally going to be a studio studio movie. It was originally uh, was with Paramount. Um, it wasn't it wasn't genre horror enough. So you know, I, I thought I was I was doing something that everyone would would like, and then they didn't, or the, you know, they they found it didn't fit into the the right slots. But you know, I th I think that's the price you. You pay for trying to do something a, a little different. Other questions? Mm. Hi, Mary. Uh, actually, a comment and a two-part question. I have two daughters, 14 and 17, yeah. and, uh, and there's just a smirk on my face as you explain their relationship with their... Uh, and if I want to know what's going on with their friends, all I have to do is look at Facebook. I said, oh, my God, <laughs> another one of those fights. Yes. But my question to you is... Uh, First of all, you, you don't label the movie as a horror movie, so what would you label it as if, if you would just came out of the movie theater, watched the movie, and you want to tell somebody? And the second part is, what did you think of the title, and what did you make out of it? 
the title of the story. Oh, I mean, because the title is just the same as the book. Eric, I don't know. What would you say? How would you define it as genre-wise? Well, there's definitely a lot of talk of vampires in the movie, mm. right? Mm. So yeah. it, it is in, in essence... Horror a, in that it's, sense, it's, yeah. It's an it's a, it's a allegorical horror film, and it uses uh, the symbol of the moth in some ways to represent adolescence uh, from the very first shot. Yeah. So an allegorical vampire film about adolescence. That's good. Very good. Yeah, okay, allegorical vampire film. Adolescence. I work on commission. <laughs> yes. Other questions? Hi, Mary. Actors often say that they learn something about themselves or, the, or their craft every performance they give. Um, as a director, do you feel the same way? You learn something about yourself, the craft of directing each, each um, project? Yes, yes, oh, that's, that, that's for sure. Um, I mean, it, it's difficult, because it's almost like the dust has to settle before you, you know what you really learned. I mean, I learned a lot of very, um, you know, specific things on this that are technical by having to deal with visual effects. And in some ways, I lost my fear about visual effects, actually. Um, I mean, it was a very... It, it was a very, it was tricky, it was a very tricky one because it, 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 it was trying to, it's trying to combine two things, one of which is a sort of gothic framework and a naturalistic story about girls. And I had not done such a, such, with the, the scenes with the teenage girls, I hadn't done a lot of that kind of very naturalistic directing before and that was very interesting. Uh, and I liked that actually. Uh, but it, but it's kind of sitting in a, in a framework of something else. It's it's an it's an odd you know fusion the film. Um, so yeah, I, you know I, I'm not you, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have, ask me in a couple years, then I'll tell you what I learned from this one. <laughs> Time for a couple more. If you didn't have to worry about financing, what movie would you make? What's your dream project? I do have one, but I, I can't say because I, I'm not going to say until I get to make it. Sorry. <laughs> I can't. Uh, but, you know, it would definitely, it would definitely be nice. Um, I've always liked the idea of, uh, that Woody Allen goes and reshoots a lot. I would do that if I, if I had anybody. There's lots of things I'd reshoot. It's like I could do this so much better. You know, in a way, you almost want to, I, 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 and the older I get, the more I, I understand why he does that, because in a way, you don't, especially if you're trying to do something different, you don't know what you've done until you've done it. And you think, oh, I see how it works now. You know, unless it's a really traditional, conventional, like, Hollywood film where you know what the genre is. If you're trying to combine things, you just don't know what you're doing until, you, until it's done. And then it's too late, or whatever. But you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, there's always things you'd want to go back and and try again. Sequels. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just had one more question here. Uh, how was the casting process for this film? Because um, I don't recognize a lot of cast, but I do see Lily Cole. I saw her last year on Doctor Who. She did an episode. Yes. She was beautiful, and I was like, I would love to see this girl in some movie, and I'm yeah, very excited yeah. about it. But how was the casting process for this film, and how did you, because you've worked with, like, some excellent actors, and American Psycho is an example. So how was it uh, working with these actors? Because some of them are not that established yet, but Yes, I mean, I think they'll be, I mean, I really do think also that Sarah Bolger, who plays Rebecca, 
uh, and, and Sarah Gadden will be big stars. They're, they're incredible actresses. Sarah Gadden is, was actually in a, a Dangerous Method, and she's in the new David Cronenberg film. And Sarah Bolger was, who is an ama amazing young actress. She was a child actress. She was in this film in America when she's a young Irish, but an Irish family in America. And I, in a way, you, all three, Lily Cole only just started acting, but she'd been a model since she was very young. So they all had a lot of kind of amazing confidence and self-possession. I spend a lot of time casting. I think it's the thing that I really feel I'm, I'm best at, actually. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, originally, I wanted to, my original idea when I was writing it was that I was really going to cast it with 16-year-old girls. Because it bothers me that when you see a film about young girls, they're always older. Um, you know, like Gossip Girls, everyone's 25, you know, so like, okay, now I'm going to do real 16-year-olds. And actually, I tried and I couldn't do six because I had to do a cast across the board and I just couldn't get a strong enough cast with that kind of experience who were all 16. In fact, Sarah Bolger was the youngest, who I think was 17 when she came in to audition. So I, I, I failed a bit on that level. But it's just, it's just hard when you're dealing with young girls. But I feel like, oh, these are amazing actresses, and you will, you will hear more about these girls. And of course, we have Scott Speedman. And Scott Speedman, who was, you know, uh, I needed to have somebody uh, very attractive. You know, I also, I want somebody sort of really quite young and attractive to play the teacher, because otherwise there's, what goes on might seem too creepy, in a way. I mean, it's, 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 it's a small, it's a kind of side story, but it's important. We have time for two more questions. Mm -hmm. We know they're burning in there somewhere. This mm -hmm. I'll bring the mic over to you. Uh, actually, uh, my, my question is actually general. I, you know, I, I love films, and this is one of the great gifts that we have living in in America, I mean, this is great. Uh, we have films everywhere. Filmmakers, directors, in your opinion, is it the same? What is the difference between filmmaker and a director? Uh, uh, that's uh, just a general question. Uh, that's my question. You mean, you mean, you mean as, as terminology? I mean, uh, you know, as a title of terminology and, 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 and the role, I'm talking about. Well, you're thinking about the project, the execution, uh, you know. Uh. Well, I suppose when I'm doing television, I'm a director, because that's what I do. I'm not, and if it's a movie of my own, I'm a filmmaker, because I'm really in charge of the aesthetic of it. I'm not just coming in to, to, to execute somebody else's, what somebody else has created. I guess I'd give that difference. So in your opinion, there are two different titles, two different yeah, jobs? I, I use them interchangeably, you know, or I make movies, you know. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to be too, full of yourself about this process. <laughs> Last question. I sort of have a question. It's, it might be a little personal. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Um, it has to do with American Psycho when it was first released. And did you feel any sort of animosity when it wasn't recognized right away? Uh, I rewatched it with my wife a couple weeks ago. And uh, I was just like, why didn't this film, when 
Academy Awards left and right, you know, from directing and Christian Bale's performance. I mean, this, it was, it was crazy. I'm watching it. I'm like, what's going on? And people, my wife was just like, yeah, people thought she was robbed or this film was robbed of so many awards. You know, it's, it's funny because it did not get a single nomination, including a, uh, even Independent Spirit. But I felt bad. You know, I didn't expect a nomination, I have to say, for myself because the, the project was so controversial. I, it was not going to be, you know, garlanded. But I was surprised that Christian didn't get more, didn't get anything any nods or anything, because it was an amazing performance, and it was the real arrival of a, a you know, a, a big league actor, as, as he's gone on to prove. So I felt, I felt bad for him on that, because I think he was so fantastic. Um, and, but actually, this has happened in all my films. I thought Lily Taylor didn't get nominated for I Shot Andy Warhol. It was a brilliant performance. And Gretchen Maul as Betty Page. That was the other one. I thought, you know, why can't you not? She plays a lovely character. You know, it's, she's not a killer. It's an amazing performance. And, and nothing, you know? But I think, that's, I think if you work with me, you're not going to get nominated. <laughs> but you might go on and get nominated for something later, you know? Give it, give it a decade or so. <laughs> give it a decade, yeah. So the film opens this Friday. Mm -hmm. It's on VOD right now. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.